all for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. If you're new to this program, we come on every Wednesday at this time. We have Dr. Rick Holm, who is is an internal medicine physician, and we are here to take your questions. Uh, We do have one that has been called in, which I'm very happy to say. So I think we'll just start right there with the first question, and then we'll get into some discussion. Uh, We have a 66-year-old man who was called in asking about an infection in the nose hair that keeps coming back. And that can be so tender. Oh, well, you know, of course... um the, the problem with uh, your nasal area is that it is very tender. And, of course, anything that goes on in there messes up the normal flow of things. Now, it's, it's an, it's an adeno-coordinated system. Like, it's a mucus-making tissue that lines the inside of the nose. Of course, there's a lot of mucus-making uh, gland tissue throughout the body. You know, all the way down the throat and into the lungs, mucus making. The GI tract is mucus making that allows everything to flow. And so um, sometimes something comes along that irritates that system. And then there's excessive flow. Uh, And you'll see it in people who have diarrhea and excessive mucus in their bowel movements. But you'll see it when you get a cold. Uh, or you're allergic, and there's just flowing of, of mucus that comes out of there. The thing about the question uh, is that there's an irritation in the lining of the, the nose, and, it, and it's an irritation that doesn't want to go away. Uh, it's sort of like uh, I sense that this is, you know, my sense is that this is a person that is scratching that area that irrit- is irritated, and the constant messing with it and rubbing it and blowing it and and uh you know picking at it probably you know everybody they say that everybody 95 percent of all people pick their nose and five percent lie uh but you know my point is that the few uh want to truly allow that to heal uh then stop rubbing it and picking it and scratching it and, and because we we are our own worst enemy Sometimes, yeah, Bob. Remember, Paul Harvey used to talk about uh, the evils of pulling your nasal hair out. You're supposed to trim it, and, right? And I don't know if that's true or not, but you know that you're old when you break down and buy a, a nose and ear hair trimmer. Yeah, which <laughs> I'm on my second one now. <laughs> yeah, my second. Well, let's assume that he doesn't mess with right. his nose. Well, there's uh, here's the thing that can happen if you trim the hair too short. Sometimes this curl curled hair will bend back in itself and it will be growing into the wall uh and and too short a hair can sometimes cause an ingrown that's what it's called an ingrown hair uh you know i i think uh i would try to find that the root of that hair that where it is that's sore and i would look at it very carefully if it were, if i was the physician or if i were the patient with a light and a microscope or, I mean, and or a, a, a magnifying, magnifying glass. And see if you can see what is going on there because it can be that the hair is turned into itself and is growing into the wall and is irritated there. So if the hair follicle is a problem, wouldn't it help to get the hair out? I uh, What I would do is, what I find that that happens with me is I will take a tweezer and I will pull, I won't pull the whole hair out. 
I will bring it out from its ingrown position so that it can grow out into the direction it's supposed to be growing. What about... Uh, if you pull it, it'll grow, and then you'll have a short hair that will get ingrown again and so on and so forth. It's just stop messing with it. If you know, uh, Sometimes the worst enemy is the person. What about an antibiotic cream? Uh, you know, let's say that it, this is a perpetual strep infection in the nose. That could be true, too. Um, 90, uh, something like 20% of the population, if you culture their noses, will have strep infection growing there, living there. Normal, sort of their normal uh, flora becomes part of the normal flora. Uh, and so, and it's not bothering you. You know, you have a relationship with that particular bacteria. It's part of your microbiome or biota, as they say. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, uh, I've often said, leave it alone. On the other hand, if this is a perpetual infection that's constantly going on in there, there are, and people, infectious disease people, will try to clear it with an antibiotic, and then they will use mucopyrocin uh, as a topical. Uh, you can buy that over the counter. Mupyrocin. Mupyrocin, yeah. And, and rub that in there, too. That's what I would recommend. My fear is that the person is, the, the, the culprit is the person who is the person who is picking and scratching and rubbing because it irritates and you want to go there. I mean, that's what happens. Normal human. It's like not scratching something that itches. The, the thing you have to do is leave it alone and let it heal. Okay. I think we've beat that question quite well. You know, and I don't have a better answer. You like the mupirocin. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's going to give the, the answer, but it's a, that's one answer. Okay. Well, uh, let's just remind our listeners that this is Prairie Doc Radio, and uh, we are here to take your questions, 692-1430, and we'll take our first break, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. This is Joni Holm filling in for Joan Hogan. I wanted to add here that it's okay to disagree, you know, and I, I think uh, your answer is just as good as mine, so I'm, I'm not saying otherwise. I'm just saying that um, well, it's okay to disagree. Well, I can just see this gentleman on the other line going, or, you know, sitting there listening, saying, I'm not messing with my nose, you, so you're, you can't prove that that's the case. No. But uh, we can also uh, think about that. I mean, it's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people will cause problems by picking and rubbing and you know. Tell me, what is the the topic for the TV show this week? The topic for tomorrow night, switching topics from a nose picking perspective to one of a uh, ligamentous and tendinous pain and and so are bob one into the other huh? yeah uh so we go to uh we're going to talk about pains and and aches and muscular pains and groin grain uh what is the name of it exactly it's uh uh complaints and pains and sprains groans is that the word you're trying yeah, we're to gonna, get? I keep wanting to say groans, but it doesn't. It doesn't rhyme. And what we've done in the in the in the title is make something that uh, that rhymes. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. Is Bob. it tr- is it true, Doctor Holm, that sometimes a sprain is actually worse than a clean break? Is or is that an old wives' tale? Well, if you have a broken bone, it's broken. 
you put it together in about two weeks it sticks and then it heals and then it's but you you can't walk on it because it hurts so bad because it's broken so you leave it alone you're in a cast and you and you allow it to stabilize if you have a twisted ankle and what you've done is you've torn the ligaments the ligaments are the those fascial uh you know almost like uh, uh stabilizers yeah stabilizers like a sheet of cloth only it's very strong it's it's like um uh gorilla tape you know that's connecting a bone to a bone when that's torn okay that has to heal too same as the bone right but it it's partially torn so you can get by and you keep walking on it uh and you don't protect it because it 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 um you want to stay mobile because you know we all want to stay mobile and so uh, with a broken bone, you aren't mobile. You know, you're going to be on crutches and you leave it alone. But with a twisted or a torn ligament, you can, and, or a partially torn ligament, you can kind of push past that pain and sometimes you don't allow it to heal. Most of the healing gets done in about six weeks. So if you can lay low when something is really hurting uh, and, and protect it, uh, your body is tell, telling you don't do that. And uh, I think there's a time when you, when you keep moving. Let's take arthritis of the knee, bone-on-bone bone arthritis of the knee. The people who are pushed to walk do better than the people who sit and, and stay in a couch. Um, but it isn't. It's, a, it's the, chronic, the chronic situation um, that's different than an acute strain or, or acute injury. Who are your guests on the show this week? It's going to be Dr. Judith Peterson. Uh, Dr. Peterson is the um, physiatrist. She is a uh, rehab doctor. Um, and uh, she's an interesting lady. She grew up in the East Coast and went to Harvard and uh, went through a bunch of uh, time during her college career when she had cancer and had treatment. Uh, and then her parent, her mother died, I think it was, I mean, she's been through a fair amount of experience. Um, and, uh, and she's um, uh, married a guy out there. And the, the two of them, two doctors have come out. He's a radiation oncologist and she is a, a physiatrist. And the two of them mostly work in Yankton. Uh, and they're, they're just, they're marvelous people. One of the things that Judith got into was the roller dolls. You know, here's this, this very eloquent, interesting uh, woman who had been... Individual. who Who was the, uh, the physician, the uh, physician... Team doc. The team doctor for the Philadelphia Ballet, you know. Pennsylvania Ballet, I think is the... And the roller dolls. And when she got here, she became the f team physician for the roller dolls. <laughs> and, you know, just roller a, derby the, group. Yeah, the opposite ends of the spectrum, and she enjoyed it. Both of them the same. It's just, and and um, she just was amazed by the roller dolls. And and the other part of Judith is that she's a photographer, and so and she's an art photographer. Um, she co authored your book right my, all the photos are done by dr peterson right and their photos aren't just you know pretty scenes and perfectly self-explanatory they're artistic you know there's this subtle 
undertow of 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 meaning behind uh, each photograph that makes her her stuff quite special i i would encourage people to tune into this show uh not only will you learn about the muscular skeletal system but i would say dr peterson is also I, I will agree with you she's just a very unique person i always laugh that there aren't many people that can kind of out talk rick but judith is <laughs> close and you put the two of them together and i don't get a word in address <laughs> They, she is so interested in life, and she goes off and does cooking classes, and then she does a writing seminar, and then she does a photography seminar. She's just a very, very interesting and interested person. Or she got, her, you know, so two years ago, I think, she got her master's in public health. Yeah. Just After because she's empty. interested in the public health. You know, uh, kind of forgot about that. Yeah, I mean. Just uh, something Judith does. Well, and she speaks in a, a kind of a a language we understand, but we don't quite, aren't, aren't, aren't used to it. Her language is so interesting. She has these language patterns that are different than, you know, they're, they're you know, she, you know, it's an, it's a well-educated. Yeah, she's uber smart. Uber smart <laughs> kind of a person. And so just to hear her talk is just, you know, is sort of like music because she has this, and, you know, immediately when she starts talking, you know, you you feel the confidence and the knowledge base that's behind what she's saying. So it'll be fun Tune to... Tune in. To, to, I think you will like Dr. Peterson. But we'll be talking about, you know, uh, uh, twisted ankles and all the same type of a thing. We've interviewed Dr. Haynes, the podiatrist, and we've gone to the physical therapy people at SDSU for the roll-ins. But wouldn't you also... Uh, um, Except questions about other musculoskeletal. I mean, we're well, not just talking oh, ankles. Oh, it's not just ankles or toes or feet. It's going to be all musculoskeletal. It'll be back pain. It'll be shoulder pain. Sure. It'll be hip pain. Sciatica. When do you take people to surgery? When do you not? Because she has the, she has the perspective of surgery is the last resort. Um, of course, do the right thing for the patient. There's a time to go to the, orth the, the orthopedic surgeon or the back surgeon. Mm -hmm. There's a time not to. When is that? And that's, that's the, you know, if you talk to a surgeon, it's sort of that whole story of when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know what I mean? And you <laughs> well, but I don't want to discredit our Orthopedics colleagues. Colleagues, of course not. They, they, but they have the perspective do not want to take surgery, people to surgery if they don't need it. Correct. And they do well. And thank God for orth good orthopedic surgeons. You know, they're, they're in there with the repair work that sometimes needs to be done. But if you, if you ask the carpenter how to, how to uh, fix something, sometimes it's going to be the thing that will put them to work to, to solve the problem when it might be just leave it alone. It's sort of like building a new garage at the lake, which is something we should talk about. <laughs> well, I think you better, you better be careful or we're going to say, I'll go to Dr. Holman and he's... He's gonna, just going to find medicines. He's just going to... He's going to build... He has to pay for what, a new garage yeah, at the lake. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not fair. Well, I think we should uh, take our second break. We w do want your calls. Uh, it's, it's kind of our... Um, we're honored to be able to answer your questions. Indeed we are. So 692-1430, and we'll be right back. Please give us your calls. This is Joni Holm welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. 
our topic today, well, we'll answer any questions that you have, but we're talking about bones and joints and pains that you might have. Bones and groans. There's a, uh, there's a rhyme. Bones, groans. Okay, whatever. But it's pains and complains, I think. Is, but there's another word in there. Uh, uh, but I can't remember what it is. You have to watch tomorrow night to get the, the, the rhyme. So uh, I'll mention that I think we're, we're running out of our flu season this year, which is good to hear. We're seeing a slowdown in the clinic. And that's what you noticed yesterday, didn't you? I mean, you're the, you're the, you, were, you were seeing... The last week or so. It just it slowed down drastically over the last week. Right. I mean, we're still having the kids with the throats and so on, but we're not seeing quite as much of the heavy-duty, high-fever cough... Now what's going to happen is the people will get this chronic cough, chronic sneeze, chronic nose, chronic itching, uh, allergies, and it's going to be starting. And you know what you should do if you are a person who's really irritated by allergies in the summer, seasonal allergy, then a month before the, the problem begins, start a dose of steroid nasal spray once a day. Or twice a day if it's a big problem. Or your Zyrtec or Claritin if you've used that in the past. Um, uh, the, 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 the allergist people say that, this, that the Claritin or the Allegra or, or Zyrtec, that type of medicine works uh, and reduces things 30, 40% of the time. And or 30% effective. Whereas the steroid nasal spray is about 70% effective compared to like 90% with his shots. Now, I have to say, though, working with young people, even up to teenagers. They don't like the steroid nasal spray. They basically won't do it. Won't do it. Yeah. I And I don't I know why. I, I talk to them all the time about it. it is not a big deal. You will get used to it. It feels like some fluid in your nose. But I can feel it when you're, you're explaining it to them they're not going to do and it and that's why i mentioned the medication the pill i agree with you i think the steroid nasal spray is a better option but if you're not going to do it it's not a good option <laughs> no i mean uh, compliance you know they say compliance meaning you'll take a pill or you'll take the medicine at very best it's like 60 percent um i mean you know uh across the board if you took 100 people if you take an individual i mean some of us or other you know certain people will take all their medicine exactly right um then then some will take it every once in a while when they feel like it when there's a problem when there isn't a problem they won't finish their antibiotic they won't take all the pills for their blood pressure you know they just don't want to take these things and this in this situation we are talking about preemptively working on the problem and that's where starting now with an anti-allergy we medicine. get to the worst of the season and i see and i know you do too uh, is that when we get the early summer late spring winds and it yeah. blows the pollen around people really suffer when that yeah. wind picks up well and then they, they the the newly turned over soil all of the things that are in the soil i mean you don't i mean it's the soil is filled with a lot of stuff spores and spores and bacteria and bugs so of all kinds starting your nasal spray or starting your allegra or is a good idea morning. now? Allegra now. I kind of prefer the generic Allegra in the morning. Zyrtec makes you a little sleepier. Allegra and Zyrtec 
are more powerful than the Claritin. And so if you talk to the allergist, when, they're, when it's really hitting you, take Allegra in the morning and Zyrtec at night, but um, Allegra only. And not Benadryl, or not any of the Benadryl uh, cogeners, because they are no, Benadryl makes you sleepy, only lasts six hours, and is no more effective than the Claritin Allegra Zyrtec. Right. So, and the generic is just as good. Go to the, I, I go right to the generic um, uh, system and uh, go there. Find it. Find the Claritin or Zyrtec or Allegra, and right next to it is the generic version. Yeah, Bob. I just wonder, is there a rebound effect for people that do take that? You know, uh, 90% of the drugs that we have, there is a rebound when you stop it. I'll give you the the best example of a rebound. Uh, I'll give you several examples. One is Tylenol. But but he's asking about the antihistamines. Right. Tylenol rebound headaches. Uh, Pepsid and uh, Prilosec, Omeprazole, Nexium rebound heartburn. Uh, and then uh, the uh, the allergy pill uh, rebound uh, stuffiness. I think there is a rebound. I can tell you, though, you don't hear about it in the medical literature. You don't hear a lot about it. Uh, but the, 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 the more recent stuff about the, uh, the omeprazole, Prilosec rebound is the big one. So I don't think it's, we're, it's as much of a problem. You know, almost everything I would say, if, when you're done with it, don't just drop it. Uh, taper it. Uh, I'll give you an example of what... Uh, this is called tachyphylaxis, is the, is the medical word for the rebound. You have to go higher and higher and higher and higher doses to get effect. And then when you stop it, all that that you've been suppressing comes back at you big time. So um, that's the narcotic, you know, the heroin story. You got to go higher dose. You know, the first one is for free, right? And so then you got to go higher and higher to get the same uh, uh, pain relief, quote unquote. But the case that I'm talking about is my own right now. I'm taking omeprazole, which is generic Prilosec. And I've tried not to because um, I'm not happy with the drug. It, my, it, it takes away the acid in your stomach, which protects you against infection. And I like the idea of having my own immune system and my own systems of acid and everything um, protecting me. The problem is that my gut was just turning from all this radiation and all the stuff that I've been dealing with. So I'm taking omeprazole. Well, when I, I'm going to take about a month or two to get off the omeprazole. I'm going to taper it slowly when the time is uh, right. And I'm trying to do that right now because uh, I want to be pretty much off of it when I go to the surgery on May 10th. We should probably take our last break, and then we have had a question come in from the public, so we'll get right back to that. Hi, thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. We have a question that has been called in. A 70-year-old female had a brain aneurysm 22 years ago. She is wondering... How old is she? 70. Okay. So she's wondering about our allergy topic and what do you think would be the best thing for her to take? Uh, she has used Claritin and doesn't find it helpful. Um, I, you know, I would try, if she thinks that she has an allergic process, uh, I would, um, and you want to see if it works or not, then I would go the full steam therapy, 
full steam ahead all powerful most anti-allergy thing you can do and if this therapy for allergies doesn't phase it then figure out that it's not going to be an it's so what is that work. The nasal it would spray? be a combination of a steroid nasal spray it's called uh cord nasal court over-the-counter generic okay so you go to nasal court steroid nasal play and uh, uh, spray and you add allegra in the morning and zyrtec at night but then you're not going to know what's working you start all at once no you uh, you do all those full speed steam and ahead as hard as you can back off and if and if you get relief then it's chan chances are good that it is an allergic process right but then you're if on three things and right and then take I, uh, one thing then you can taper off to one but what I am, and, and that should be gradual, but if you can get yourself some relief, then, then, then that's it. Now, there are a lot of people who have a mechanical problem, a mechanical allergic, uh, a mechanical uh, irritation with nasal drainage or blockage or whatever it might be. You know, your, poly your polyps are really big or there's your, your septum is shoved over to one side or whatever it might be. Uh, then you won't see any difference. Uh, and if you do, if your difference is only just a little, do that for a week and then forget about it. We've talked in the past about neti pots or using some kind of a nasal cleanser, and I I know you are not real big I, fan on it, but I think that again when we talk about the pollens and the high count to it. cleanse out those pollens that might be irritating. Yeah. I've seen a lot of improvement. You just have to be careful not to overdo it and irritate the inside of your right. nose. Right. If you're just doing water, it's going to be harder. And the other thing is to realize is that if you're allergic and you're, you've already started cracking the window, you're going to be opening all that early pollen. So, I, you know, if you're an allergic person, keep the windows closed. Leave, turn on the air conditioner when you have to and keep your environment particularly your sleeping environment protected but you don't get to hear the birds i love the birds <laughs> i love the sound of outside and luckily I love the we're not open. allergic so yeah. we get to hear the birds yeah yeah it's a very helpful well we thank you very much for listening to our radio show this morning we are on every wednesday at 9 30 and we have uh on call with the Prairie Doc TV Tom on Thursday night, night at 7 o'clock on with, public TV. With Judith Peterson as our guest. Thank you, Joni. Uh, and next week, Joan Hogan is back. I yeah, don't and, remember. Yep, I, and she has a guest. Okay. All right, so thank you and stay healthy out there, people.